Hi, and welcome back to Reflect Forward. I'm your host, Carrie Siggins, and I am so glad you are here today. Today, my guest is Don Finley. He is the founder and CEO of Findustries, which is a relationship-focused web software development company. They are focused on growing revenue for their clients and helping them develop all kinds of different technology, but they focus specifically in AI, machine learning, and blockchain, a little bit in IoT. But the cool thing about Don is that he had a life-changing experience when he climbed Mount Kilimanjaro and then did a trip to Peru a month later, where he realized how miserable he was in his company and decided to change everything and only work with friends. So that's what we talk about in this podcast is what it means to only work with your friends and how Don had this realization that his company and his life would be so much better. So hang tight and I'll be right back with Don. All right, everyone. I am back with Don Finley, founder and CEO of Findustries. Don, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Hey, it's a pleasure to be here, Carrie. Thank you again for having me. All right. So tell us what Fin Industry does. Give us a little bit of background of your techie, the techie space that you're in here. Yeah. So I started Findustries like 10 years ago. I was a former CTO, VP of software, working in various industries, manufacturing, financial services, and every team that I would hire to come in, they, they were really good technically. So the gap in the market that I saw was we as sometimes the businesses that I was working for, we didn't quite understand what we really needed to build. Or like we had an idea, but we really needed to create an MVP, most viable product for the industry or what we were doing. And in that, I just discovered this need to bridge the gap between product management and software development. And so that you could actually create things at a rapid pace and additionally figure out what your customers are needing at the same time while you're building. There was something that we would run into. We'd be developing for nine months and we'd be doing it in an iterative environment, but we were missing the component of actually having the customer involved. And so that's what we married together is really product and our software development skills. And that's where Findustry started. Where it is today is now we're leading on artificial intelligence implementation. So helping businesses transform into that as well as blockchain and other emerging technologies around that. But the sweet spot is that we still help you bring your vision into a reality. So, yeah. And so how did you like see when you started the business, did you imagine that this is where you were going to be? Like, what has that transformation been like over the last 10 years? Oh, I've had a multiple midlife crises. <laughs> uh, it probably happens once every two or three years. And I will say that being an entrepreneur has been one of my favorite self-development tools because there's nobody else that gets to look in the mirror and say that I'm responsible for all of this, the good, the bad. Most of the time, I'm not even responsible for the good. So we can get that out of the way, but there's really no one else that sits in that seat and it's a lot of fun. So when we started, I thought we were going to go do organizational consulting. I thought we were going to help other organizations make this shift. And then it just got to the point where we also needed to be running the project ourselves and then cross-training teams. Additionally, on top of that, I had a little bit of a flip about five years ago now where 
I came to a realization after we were hitting every target that we wanted to hit, right? Revenue numbers were great. Employees were satisfied. Our customers were satisfied and like things were growing and I was miserable. Yeah. And as I sat down and looked at like what ended up happening and in fact, the exact moment when this happened is I was climbing Kilimanjaro with five of my other friends and we got to the caldera. So you, you hike up after five days of climbing on the sixth day, it's midnight when you start and you go from 14,000 feet to 19,000 feet and you're just shuffling in the dark of night where all you can see is stars above and it's gorgeous. But you get to the, the caldera and it's six o'clock in the morning and you watch the sunrise over the second peak. And it's the most beautiful sunrise you'll ever see. It's like one of those like earned wisdom moments that you just get to sit there and enjoy. And I was miserable. I was like, I literally sat there and I go, meh. And it was that moment, that little moment, that ray of sunshine that just hit. And I go, oh, I'm the problem. Yeah. And so it was this like complete going back. And I saw that I was trying to get work-life balance. I was trying to hit this whole idea that like these two things can be balanced. And in all reality, that's the most made up expression I've ever heard. Because what you're looking for is to align your purpose with people that you love. And so after some other soul searching that came about, I decided that I just only want to be working with friends. And so we came back and we said, hey, here's what we're doing. And I had some employees who were like, you're crazy, but I'm in. And I had some others that were like, all right, we'll see where this goes. And additionally, we looked at our clients and over the next six months, we actually fired half of our clients because it just was like those relationships weren't going to fit this new paradigm in which I wanted to care about your kids. I wanted to care about the life you have outside of this work. And I also wanted to understand better the driving force of why you show up every day. And so when we stopped looking at our employees, our clients, our vendors as single source, this is the activity that you do for the business and the mechanization of our world, it allowed us just to relax and kind of like sink in. Amazingly, I thought I was going to be running a a software development shop that maybe had 30, 50 people, like this sweet spot of a lifestyle sort of business. Well, the transition was some of our employees left, but they left to go start their own business. And now they partner with us because we do most of our work amongst our teams on a rev share basis. And so it allows us to basically open the world and say, hey, here's what we're doing. Here's how we're splitting it amongst everybody. And then additionally, it allowed us to partner with people that we thought were competitors before. So now Findustries is really a partnership network of about 60 plus companies. And we have over 16,000 developers worldwide that we can serve really any need that you have from a software development and product perspective. That is amazing. There's so much to unpack there. What an incredible journey. So let's go back to miserable, right? Because I think this is something that's really important. So many people are miserable. So many leaders are miserable. So many CEOs and founders are miserable. What was it for you when you had that, that aha moment of I've got to change my life because this is not going where I, the way I want it to? What was making you so miserable and what made it so clear? There's two sides of it, right? Sometimes the pain has to be so large that you can't exist in that frame of mind anymore. And I would, I hit that moment. I, yeah. I had worked so hard for us to reach the milestones that we did. And I thought that happiness was like just on the other side of that milestone. 
And I was enjoying, I, I enjoyed the work, but I didn't quite get the satisfaction that I was looking for. And then I put that into the milestones that we were hitting. We hit them and I was just like, oh, it's not there. So that part was hurting. And about a year earlier, I had started doing business with this group of people. And we were checking out a site to build. This is like 2017, 2000. If you look at when the crypto rushes have been during one of those times. And so we were looking at outfitting an old U.S. steel mill that had a power plant like 600 yards away with an excessive amount of mining equipment, something like $100 million worth of mining equipment for Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies at that time. And so we were out there and I was talking to these guys and I had just met them at this point. And one of the guys leans over to the other one and says, hey, what's going on with your sister? And he says it in such a way that I know the connection between these two is really deep and strong and they're doing business together and they're having fun and they're like enjoying it and they care about each other. And I was like, that's what I want. And so it was through this group of people and just that one statement in which the two of them said, had that one interaction that felt so passionately deep between each other that I was like, that's more of what I want in my life. Why am I holding myself out of that? And so they kind of gave me a, something to strive for, something yeah, to, yeah. to work towards. But that wasn't necessarily a milestone. I love that. So at Stone Age, we create that culture of care too. And I and I work really hard. I, I want my employees to know that no matter what happens, like they are family and we are here to help. And just recently I was interviewed by a gal and I was telling her about Stone Age and the Own It Mindset and how you know, we care so deeply about our employees. And then she was at a fundraiser with one of my employees and he didn't know that she knew me. And so she said, oh, you work for Stone Age. So can, you know, tell me about it. And he's like, oh, you know, I love it. It's been so fantastic. Now I've gotten promoted. I started out as an assembly tech and I went here. Now I'm in engineering. And she was like, what makes you like it? He says, they've got her back. No matter what happens, Stone Age has your back. And you can be going through personal stuff, through work stuff, anything that happens. And they're like, what can we do to help? And so she's like, I just wanted to tell you this because it's unsolicited feedback like that, that can be so powerful. And what CEO would not want her employees or his employees to say, I love working for this company because I know that the company has my back no matter what happens. That is so cool. So I can totally appreciate why that struck your heart and why you wanted to go after it. It's so meaningful. It was one of the reasons why I'm here today is like researching you and hearing about your story and what you've done with Stone Age is epically cool. No, well, thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, enough about me. Let's go back to you. Okay. Okay. So what does working with your friends mean? Like, what does that look like? How did you start that? You know, are they friends that you know? Are they new friends? How does it work? Oh, yeah. I tried the whole thing of like hiring my friends that I know. Right. And some of them worked out fantastic. Right. And then you kind of learn the idea that, hey, there has to be this buy in into what we're doing as a business. That's what really ties us together. And so it's the they see that like customer service is number one within our business. Right. Because we're taking 
a vision that somebody has that may be rather ethereal and just like out there. And then we're translating it into code and an actual product that the market will like. And so we're taking people's babies, right? And we're taking care of their passion and their idea. And so if that's something that our friends align with, then yeah, we've got plenty of opportunity to be working together. I tried sometimes to be like the bleeding heart. I had the friends who couldn't figure out what they wanted to do. And so I found places within the organization to help them out. And I'll be honest with you, sometimes that works. Most of the time it doesn't though. And it's been a real sort of like struggle of when do you take people in who are like that and when don't you? But additionally, what I found is it's all about just having honest conversations. The employees that were with the business at the time, it was a little bit of creating spaces of vulnerability so that we could share the things that were going on in our lives. And that did have to start with me. And so like when I was going through, let's say a breakup or something about that, I would share those moments with the team just to create that atmosphere. Like, hey, it's cool to share what's happening with your life. And then additionally, I started talking to my clients just about like their family, their outside work, like really hitting them on what, what is happening outside of this. And in fact, some of my clients now, I go over for birthday parties for their kids, right? Like it's that kind of atmosphere that we've created that has helped. And so to answer your question, I guess it's, it was about creating spaces of vulnerability and then additionally, making sure that we still had a, a grounded foundation around this is the business that we're here to do. Yep. Yep. So when you came back and you told people, I want to build a business that built with, you know, friends, how did you share that message? You obviously, you have this life-changing experience. I mean, climbing Kilimanjaro is, is a life-changing experience in itself, especially when you have this whole realization of I'm miserable and I don't want to be this way anymore. What did you come back and say to them? How did you pitch it? Yeah, that's actually a really good question because there's the other half of the story, right? So we got to the point of I'm miserable and yeah. then recognizing that there needs to be a change. And then there was yeah. that culmination of, hey, what is the change? And that change yeah. happened on another sort of like life-changing experience of when I got off the plane after Africa, I made a phone call to the guy whose sister it was that got asked the question. And I was like, you guys know something I don't know. What are you doing? Help me out here. And he goes, well, actually the group's going down to Peru next month. And so, yeah, I was like, whatever. Okay, sign me up. I'll be there. I just want to learn whatever the hell it is. So I end up in Peru and like the first day that we land, I'm checking into the resort. And in that moment, before anything else happened, I recognized, I just want to do this with friends. I, I want to do this life. I want to build the business. The whole work-life balance wasn't working. So my team knows that I just recognized I wasn't happy from uh -huh. coming back from Africa. I was like, it was amazing. It was beautiful. We went on Serengeti afterwards, right? Safari, the whole nine yards. And I come back and I'm like, guys, I'm doing something wrong. I'm trying to figure it out. I, I just want you to know that. And then a month later, I'm in Peru and I come back from that trip. And at that point, my team's like, you're nuts and we love you. So that was probably the culmination of really, they had a month to prepare that something was going to change. But when I came back and I said, look, I just want to love you more. And so if it, <laughs> so it's awesome. literally like that simple of just, hey, how can I love you in a way that shows the love that we all have for what we're doing together? So 
And so what did you do in Peru? What gave you that realization? Just hanging out with people okay, who so, you liked and seeing? Yeah, give me that story. So we'll get into it, right? I ended up drinking ayahuasca. So uh-huh. it becomes one of those stories. But yes. the realization happened before I actually touched the medicine. And I was sitting just hanging out in the resort. I'm, I'm trying to figure this out. I'm trying to go. And I recognize, like, I want to have these conversations, like this vulnerability that I'm looking for. And so how do I create that space of vulnerability within the business? How do I allow for the expression of who you are to shine through? And then it was more along, it, it came about that I just recognized that what I was missing was those connections, that what I was yearning for was that. And that I had been raised in like a corporate environment. I went from working for like Fortune 500 companies to like starting my business and also working with small and medium-sized businesses in a transition period to see what was happening. But I wanted those friendships. I wanted that sort of connection. And in that corporate environment, I was always told, you don't work with friends. You always have your guard up, right? You never really know who's out to get you or... If there is a situation that comes up, somebody might just end up like railroading you because of it. And so in environments where you wanted, you had to be guarded, it was like silly to be friends with people. And at the same time, we were all friends outside of work anyways. And so why did we create this wall between the experience of life when it was like, all right, we're just trying to spread some joy and actually have some excitement about what we're doing. Why, we, why am I holding back from this space that I get to create? Yeah, it's brilliant. I love it. And I think that I agree with you. That's what is missing from corporate America. It's that soul, right? It's our soul. It's, our, yeah. it's the connection with who we really are. It's not just about results, right? Driving numbers, driving performance. No, we're all human beings first. And if we connect on that level of humanity and caring and connection, then you can do so many more amazing things. But I think a lot of people are afraid of that vulnerability. Before this, were you comfortable being vulnerable or did you keep it pretty buttoned up? What was your relationship with vulnerability before these life-changing experiences? I would say that it probably wasn't very vulnerable. Yeah. Um, I was able to switch the mask on and off, right? This is how I have to show up. This is who I, I can be in this moment. And this is the experience. And it was rather interesting because I also think that there was a, a time period where leadership was taught that it was like, you are an actor on stage and you set the tone for how everything goes and showing vulnerability can actually hurt what your message is and how you convey it. I will be honest, there's sometimes in showing vulnerability that it gets messy. And honestly, that's some of the best time because yep. your employee wouldn't have been able to stand up and say, I love that they have my back through everything. If you don't just take that leap and jump. And you have to take the leap and jump and to find out that people are there to catch you. Yeah. Yeah. I, the power of vulnerability, it's so amazing. You know, I came to Stone Age off the back of substance abuse issues, which I was always ashamed of. And so no one knew in the company until we had a team building experience with my executive management team. And we were trying to like open up and share. And I felt like, this is the time like I need to tell them because it's a huge part of my past. And I wouldn't be in Durango in this spot if I wouldn't have overdosed and decided that that was a huge inflection point in my life to get yeah. to where I am. And so I was so scared to tell them and I did. And what then happened is then one person said, well, 
okay, then I'm going to share this story. And I got to see immediately how powerful it was when the leader goes first and shows that vulnerability and how it makes it safe for everybody else to do it. And it was transformative. And that's when I said, you know what? Like, we should not be ashamed of who we are. We should not be ashamed of our mistakes, of the path, our journey to get here. We need to share it so that we can connect on that level of humanity. Because let's face it, life is hard and we all make mistakes. But if we're all just trying to live an Instagram life, like that's not real. And it just, it changed my whole perspective on the power of vulnerability and why leaders need to talk about their flaws and talk about their unhappiness or their mistakes because it'll makes it safe for everybody else to do. And when you can actually get that off of your chest, like I, I, I felt like a huge sense of relief. Like I, I didn't have to stop hiding it anymore. It was huge. Exactly. Yeah. It's amazing when you can show up and be seen. And I, yeah. I applaud you for jumping in like that because that's a huge win. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I like jump full in because now it's in my book. It's coming out next week. But you know what? I know that by sharing my story, I've changed people's lives. Not me, just the sharing of the story, the having the courage to be like, these are the darkest parts of myself. And it was really hard to look at them really hard to look at them with honesty to say, I can love that about myself. I don't have to be proud of it. I can have regrets, but I can still love that part of myself. And so many people need to hear that. We are light and dark intertwined together and you can embrace those dark parts and use them to be superpowers if you focus on it. But it's been so transformative being able to share that story. So I totally understand exactly what you're talking about. love it. Like it is one of those experiences that if you can be vulnerable, if you can share who you are and the work that you did to look at yourself and to say, what is it that's driving me to do things that I don't like or the things that are stopping me from showing up for my family, for my friends, for the people that I love. That's an incredibly deep work to get to that space. So great leadership by example as well. Thank you. Thank you. Let's talk about that because self-reflection and that deep self-exploration it's such a important part of our human existence, especially as we are evolving. How has your kind of that self-reflection, self-examination process been going? How did you dig deep and learn about yourself? I was really good at putting on a mask so I could even wear the mask that I needed to wear in therapy. And so like I could talk my way out of taking any sort of accountability. Yeah. One thing that I love about plant medicine and ayahuasca specifically is they call her grandmother. Right. And so grandmother is the spirit of the plant. And like the first night, she actually showed me how to create happiness. And she showed me that it was an internal sort of process of basically like this happens by your state of emotion. So you change the emotion, you change the thought. And if the thoughts aren't working, what's the emotion saying and what's going on? And in my own process, I like came to embody that and recognizing that I have the power to shift where I'm at. And I might as well start with the emotion instead of chasing the emotion. The other thing is I found out that I can't run away from myself, which gave me the power to basically say, look, I'm here and I've got to sit with it. I've got to look at like, what are the things that I'm doing to create the tension in my own life? And how am I showing up? Additionally, there was behaviors that I had. I was definitely drinking just a little bit too much. Actually, we, we don't even have to have little on there. I was just drinking too much. There was always a couple of drinks at dinner. There was a couple of drinks over the weekend. So you just total it up and it was really taking a toll. 
on performance for myself. And the odd thing is I almost immediately just gave that up once the recognition happened in that. And then the other thing is then constantly surrounding myself with coaches and therapists and recognizing that this is a process that you go through. And like, as you're sitting at the front edge of reality, everybody's present moment is at that leading edge. And you get to discover like where you're taking the ship. At the same time, you notice that there's a rock here. There's an island that we have to navigate around. And so these things come up, but you're in uncharted territory. You're operating this meat bag the same way that everybody else is and figuring this out one day at a time in most cases. And it's a lot of fun, but along those lines, you need that reflection. And like, I've got a great partner. She can notice when the mask goes on and when I am kind of hiding. And sometimes it's so trained in my behavior. Yeah. It happens instantaneously. I just know that I can go there. And so now additionally, it's learning how to use these things where maybe I was avoiding an emotion and putting the mask on. Well, now recognizing like I'm going into this environment, right? Like I'm going into that fortune 500 seat level suite. It requires a different personality than when I'm working in the startup environment. And I can play those roles and be happy with all of it because I'm choosing what I'm actually wearing in those moments. And so, yeah, as far as what that process of self-discovery has been. It's about diving in. It's about like cleaning out the gunk. One of my favorite poets is Rumi. He's a, a Sufi poet and he, I, I will butcher this, but I will try. It's like the light enters where the wound is along those lines. And it, so it's basically like the deepest spot in our heart and the deepest spot that like for our love to go is where the wound is. And sometimes that's, you know, an early childhood thing. Sometimes it happens later on. But it's our own individual responsibility to go in there and sit with ourselves and just get to know ourselves. Yep. Our past traumas and baggage, they so hold us back. And so many people are afraid to dive into it. I mean, obviously, people have very scarring things, and I understand it. But baggage holds you back, right? Baggage weighs you down. And my biggest wish for everybody is to do that self-reflection and deal with their past trauma and the baggage and understand themselves because your life is so much better when you do it. Like it, the work is so hard in the moment. It's painful. You have to look at things you don't like. You have to remember things you don't want to remember or forgive people who, you know, you've built an identity around being angry with. But if you can let that go, you can really, truly start to build such a much more fulfilling life. But it's so hard, right? It's that work is not easy, especially if you aren't working with somebody who can help. Like I appreciate coaches and therapists. Like my best support in dealing with recovery was working with a life coach who introduced me to the Enneagram. And I had to get really comfortable working with words I didn't like, like narcissist and manipulative and all of those things that when I'm in a low level of health, like absolutely could come out. But once I get comfortable with it, it could be like, okay, yeah, I could see that. Then that was so freeing to be able to go, here's how I can move out of it. Here's how I understand those triggers. But man, it's uncomfortable. Yeah, it is. It's so uncomfortable, right? Like you yeah. get to this space, you're like, oh my God, I haven't felt this yeah. in 20 years kind of thing. Yeah. I've been avoiding yeah. feeling this for so long. Or like, wow, I played a part in creating that scenario because of how I was either sheltering myself or hurt or however it is, but then to be able to dig that out. 
it's been one of those tools that allows me to show up better for the people that I care about. And well, I care about all my people yeah. in the, in the company and everybody in the community around it, but it has been helpful there. And then additionally, I'm always pleasantly surprised about how our team takes that on as well and how they go out and they work on themselves or they share their vulnerabilities around what they're doing. And then they also bring their family into it as well. So. And do you do anything to help them, just help support them on that journey of self-exploration? Like, what does it look like, a sneak peek into your culture? Yeah, so my role, I mean, you know this as far as running an organization, right? Like, you're very little doing and more in the lines of supporting people that are making it happen. Yeah. And my role has drastically shifted towards that. And around the pandemic, we basically saw like a couple million dollars disappear within like three days. Consultants were the first to go. So all those projects got canceled. And it was one of those things where I, I took anything else that I was doing in the business and put that on the back burner and just coached. Like it was everything and anything was on the table. What problems do we have to solve? How do we do this together? These are the things that we are here to support each other with. And so like my role has shifted a bit more into like active coaching within the group and allowing the team to run the business as they're seeing fit. And then additionally, we bring in people to talk, kind of sharing like different things like Enneagrams. I personally have been really getting into human design, if you're familiar with that. 10 years ago, if you told me that there would be something I would resonate with that would involve position of the planets, I would have possibly looked at you like you had two heads. And at the same time, what I love about it is it's, they're all just invitations to try and presented exactly. in a way like, hey, here's an experiment, run the experiment. If it works out for you, I got some more. And yep. I think that's a great way to look at life is, hey, if this works for you, it works for you. If it mm -hmm. doesn't, there's plenty of other things out there that will. And it's all about helping you to find your tribe. I love that. I mean, it's so beautiful to be able to support your employees in that journey. So many leaders just look at it as, I care about you with what you do in these four walls or your computer screen or <laughs> whatever your work situation is. And we care so much less about what happens outside of work. Imagine if every employer said to their employees, my goal is to help you live your dreams. Because let's face it, that's what we work for. Right? We don't work for work. Well, some of us work for work, but most of it's because we want to do something with our money um, to be able to go after our dreams. And so if you take that and you say, yeah, I'm here to help you achieve your dreams, you know, and yes, we have to add value and we have to make money. Um, that's just such an empowering place to be. And you can't do that if you don't talk to people, if you don't understand what their dreams are and what they fear and what's holding them back from going after it. I really commend you on you. building that kind of culture. One thing I'll add to that in like something yeah. that's very actionable we do this with all of our new employees, new colleagues, contractors, anybody who's joining the team. There's an exercise by Mind Valley called the three most important questions. And so we have everybody go out and they answer, what are the experiences that you would like to have? Would you like to own a house? Would you like to travel the world? Anything like raising children, whatever it is, put it down there. Where are the areas where you would like to grow is the second question. And then what are the, where would you like to make contributions in the world, in society, in your family? And we post that. It's on a shared drive in our, yeah. And so every so often 
one of our team members goes through and starts to find matches of who, who else wanted to climb the Himalayas, who else wants to go on this vacation. And so we start lining people up, but also additionally, when I go through that, I notice, well, I know this person, I'm just going to make this introduction. And so we help each other on the path of our dreams. And so it's a nice, easy place to start with those three most important questions. Oh, that's great. All right. I will go find that and I'll include that in the show notes so people can look at those. But I think those are brilliant questions. And what a great way to get to know your employees. Those are relatively safe questions to ask, but super insightful. And like mine is out there as well. And like I share it with yeah. people when they first come in, they get yeah. access to see other people's for inspiration. But yeah. 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 That's amazing. I love it. I love it. Well, and it kind of goes hand in hand with this company that you're building of matching and getting people together. So can you talk a little bit more about your business model and how you came up with it? Yeah. Okay. So the general challenge that software agencies have in skill set versus project need. So if I have a team of 30 people, I have to go out and sell a team of 30 people. I mean, I, you know, you split them off, you, but you have, that's the population. And so if their skill set is all in IoT, then really you need to find IoT projects. But there's always yep. this yearning to build the business greater, right? And then additionally take on more clients, take on additional scope. So you tend to push the envelope as far as where you're at from an execution standpoint, which most of the time it works out really well. Sometimes, you know, it leads to some disaster. But additionally, as we decided to like niche down the business so that we were only focusing on like really AI implementation, blockchain, and then a little bit of IoT just because we had so much history with it. So those three areas, we recognized that we were partnering with companies left and right before to help us get these things. So we just went out to them and said, look, this is what we're creating. We have like leads coming in. We're talking on the front end. And, and as we started to work with friends, we recognized that we could create a deal structure that worked out for our front end agents as well. And so it allowed us to grow a sales team a little bit larger than we had before. And so we had more work coming at us that we knew what to do with at the time. And so we started to look at like, how can we structure the relationship with our partners to be more along the lines of the friendship space? as well as how do we actually structure this so that it works for industries as well. So that we're taking on some of the front end work. We're then general contracting it to either our partners or additionally, we have another line of service where it's like, you may not need our expertise on any of those three areas, but because we've worked with these 16,000 developers in the past, we know who to line you up with. So let us get you to the team that actually fits your need. So our clients like it because we give them like three options, right? Like we say, hey, here's the three teams that meet who you're working with. They enjoy it because they've already passed the bar of having some third-party validation with a recommendation from a trusted source. And we help out because it's just good for everybody to have a bit of business together. And so you talked a little bit about revenue sharing. So how does that work? Yeah. So revenue sharing amongst the partners and the team, right? So we'll sit down, we'll look at a project and we'll divide this up into two spaces. Let's say the Industries consulting project um, to the end client. What we'll end up doing is it's either a fixed price or it's on a time and materials basis. And so on the revenue share side, we haven't built anything on that for the straight up consulting projects. 
then on the back end of that, every partner that we bring in is on some bit of revenue share. So the entire deal is divvied up amongst the team members. And we have base rates that we end up paying our team, plus they get bonuses for basically that revenue share side of it. On the, let's say where we do like a mini RFP process for our clients, our partnership network, that is entirely free to the clients. Industry doesn't take anything. And then on the back end, our partner will provide us with a revenue share from those deals as well. And that allows us to pay our our sales agents and everybody else. We also have a studios division. And the studio division is basically, you come with the idea, you come with the go-to-market team, and we have people that will finance projects as well based on it. And in those cases, industries will also take an ownership stake in the business, as well as build the technology for you then to go deploy. Fascinating. That's so awesome. And it's been it's successful. How long have you been doing this? Uh, 10 years now. And so how long have you been doing this partnership model? Yeah, we've been doing that for the last five years now. Basically, ever yeah. since I got back and wanted to work with friends, we were trying to figure out how to make this more equitable yeah. because I recognized that as the owner, I was getting all the reward, right? And basically, I was trying to pay my people as little as possible. And that doesn't happen on like an individual basis, right? But it happens on a... When you look at the books, you go, this is my highest cost and this is the margin that I make. And if I can reduce that cost, then I can increase them, right? It's, it created this, I, I was never comfortable with it. So we opened the books and we said, okay, how can we make this all work out for everybody involved? And are you feeling more fulfilled and do you feel as financially successful because of this model? Yes, on the fulfillment and yes, on the financial fulfillment as well. It actually feels, when I hear about what my team is doing with the money, like when I hear about the growth that they have, they probably would have been able to do it before, but now it creates this culture of just like, we're empowered to to build something outside. We're empowered to create a life that is, is much more glowing to our, our friends and our employees than it, it ever was. So yeah, the books look better. My own happiness is higher right now that I notice that I create it myself, but like I am fulfilled from what we're doing. And I really enjoy that. Like I get to help with someone else's life as well. Yep. Absolutely. So beautiful. I love this story. <laughs> I just reach out and give you a big hug. <laughs> uh-huh. so feeling is totally mutual. <laughs> Good, we can be friends. (laughs) (laughs) This is how it all starts. I see. I understand. I totally get it. All right. A couple more questions before we wrap up. First, the name of this podcast is Reflect Forward. So this is my signature question. I'm always curious what people answer. What does Reflect Forward mean to you? So on the other half of the business side that we didn't touch, I went from being like a devout, like atheist agnostic to going, oh, there's a God. And so... I went down the rabbit hole of all spirituality. I had been studying Buddhism for a while, but I started studying Kabbalah. I started studying shamanism with some people in the Andes. I went all over the place, like going through and studying, you know, mystics, anybody that I could get my hands on to kind of see like, they may have known something that I was discounting earlier. And so like, what is that? 
And in my studies, I came to realize that the only two powers that God actually has is awareness and intention. And when I hear the words reflect forward, that's what it embodies for me. It embodies the idea that you're taking that step. Let's do it intentionally and let's be aware as far as where we're going. That is a phenomenal answer. No one has ever answered it like that. And I love it. That's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So if people wanted to work with you, how do they find industries? How do they become partners in what you're creating here? Yeah, absolutely. And we would love that. Please visit us at industries.co. So that's F-I-N-D-U-S-T-R-I-E-S dot C-O. And then also feel free to email me. My email address is don at industries.co. And so I'd love to hear from you. That's awesome. I'll make sure to include um, all of that on the show notes as well. Well, this is awesome. I've had so much fun chatting with you. Uh, I think we are kindred souls in many, many ways. So thank you for sharing your story and your perspective. It's just been absolutely fascinating. I love it. Carrie, thank you so much. I appreciate the time and I, I share the sentiment as well. Thank you. All right. Hang tight, everybody. I'll be right back. All right, I'm back. Thanks, everybody, for joining in on that podcast. I just hope you enjoyed that interview with Don as much as I did. I thought it was fantastic. And if you like this podcast, please go on to your podcast platform and write a review, rate it, share it with a friend. It so helps with the algorithm and continues to spread these really cool stories like Don's. The world needs more leaders like him. All right, with that, I will leave you to your day and I look forward to hosting you next week. Thanks.